How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Peacock. Thanks everybody for joining me today. Uh, yesterday we had a little mailbag segment, the cover three segment with Nick Winkler on Winky Wednesday, and kind of put the question out to you guys late. And it was during the Warriors game, didn't get a ton of responses. And then after the Warriors game, got a bunch more responses later after we'd already recorded the show. So I want to go through there. Uh, there's some more questions and, and do a little bit more of a mailbag segment here on this Thursday. Not a lot of news to talk about today. I'm going to have Jeff Dini from Pro Football Focus on the show Friday. More of the uh, post-draft stuff and have a lot of advanced stats there and talk about some of the prospects and how things might fit in here with the 2017 49ers. And then next week, I want to do a draft review of the NFC West teams, the Rams, Cardinals, Seahawks, and of course, a Winky Wednesday coming up next week as well. Probably ramp down to about four shows a week starting next week and possibly three, depending on you know how much news there is. You know, the offseason program is going, so hopefully you get some more news rolling in next week when the media is allowed to attend those sessions. We are on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, review the show. Thanks to everybody who has been rating and reviewing the show lately. Uh, thank you guys so much. That really helps. You can contact the show via email, LockedOn49ers at gmail.com. And, of course, Twitter is a great place to chat. Had a lot of good conversations today on Twitter. I actually want to get into some of that stuff. You can follow me there, at BD Peacock. And you can always go to LockedOn49ers.com. You can find links to the stream of the show. You can find uh, places to subscribe, iTunes link. You find my email address there as well. So LockedOn49ers.com is a good one-stop shop for the podcast. So let's start actually with that Twitter stuff. And uh, if you listen to Wednesday's show, I, I kind of threw a, a trade idea out there. Just, just you know, a couple of teams that have players that maybe don't fit in what's going on uh, that might be a, a player-for-player player swap. And uh, Eric Armstead to the Minnesota Vikings might make some sense for Laquan Treadwell, who's a receiver that struggled year one under Mike Zimmer, only had one reception for the Vikings. But both players, former first-round picks, Armstead, of course, in twenty. 20- 15 to the 49ers and Laquan Treadwell, first rounder out of Old Miss in 2016 for the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, I put a poll out on Twitter on Wednesday. The responses actually were, were kind of surprising. I, I thought, you know, 49ers fans like 49ers players, and that makes a lot of sense. But actually, the degree that 49ers fans and my followers hated this trade idea, I was kind of surprised by that. And some people really, really, really have high hopes for Eric Armstead. Basically, this was the response I got on Twitter with that with that trade proposal. What did you just say? What the hell just happened? And he's a talented guy. Hey, I like Eric Armstead. He was my Shadow 49ers draft pick in 2015. So I do like Eric Armstead. And I don't think trading him low is necessarily the right idea. Um, but, man, 79% in the, the poll is still going here. But as of now, we've got 177 votes. 79% say that the 49ers would say heck no to that trade. 11% say that the Vikings would say no to that trade. And then about 10% of you guys thought that uh, 
might be a good deal for both teams. But, man, looking at the comments, people really hated that, and, and they didn't want to see Eric Armstead go uh, for a multitude of reasons. Either they didn't like Laquan Treadwell, thought he's going to be a bust, think big things are going to happen for Eric Armstead. I think the number one argument, even if he doesn't necessarily have a position, is depth. And Nick talked about it on yesterday's show. Uh, you can't have too much depth on the defensive line. Let's say he is redundant. Let's say Eric Armstead can only play the same position as Buckner and Solomon Thomas. So with that, in that you know, he'd be the backup to both the five technique and the three technique, the strong side defensive end and the under tackle. And he only backs up those two positions and rotates with those guys. I mean, having three very good players for two positions isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world. You know, if he's out on the defensive end at that Leo spot on rundowns, moves back in and kind of rushes more from an interior spot, and they bring in another guy to rush on third downs from the Leo spot, you know, that's kind of a rotation that might work. So we'll see how Eric Armstead fits in. One thing I will say about Armstead, and I think Kyle Shanahan and I think John Lynch have kind of spoken on that idea, and the fact that they were so willing to take Solomon Thomas and he was far and away the guy they wanted in the draft, even though they already had Armstead and Buckner in-house, and that they have a plan for Buckner and not so much for Armstead, uh, that might tell me that they would be willing to listen to offers for Eric Armstead. And, you know, obviously I haven't heard any rumors yet, and this trade was just a uh, an idea I had that I didn't necessarily think would happen. I definitely don't think it would happen, and I don't know if I necessarily even want it to happen, but I kind of thought I'd throw it out there just to see what people thought. And, uh, yeah, overwhelmingly, 49ers say no, do not trade Eric Armstead. Some of them say not at all. Some of them say for just Laquan Treadwell, they don't like that idea. And hey, if Laquan Treadwell becomes, you know, Doriel Green Beckhamish or AJ Jenkins in um, in his status, then you know maybe you could have throw a sixth rounder at him. And that's I think that's what it took for the Philadelphia Eagles. They they traded a backup offensive lineman last offseason for Doriel Green Beckham, who was just a, a first rounder the year before. So uh, uh, that kind of stuff can happen very quickly. It's a slippery slope for prospects, and if he's buried on the depth chart. You know, maybe they'll just look to get anything they can at them uh, at the end of training camp. But one comment that uh, that really struck me here was from Arif Hassan, and he's a writer over at the Daily Norseman. It's just the Minnesota Vikings blog at SB Nation. And he said that most Minnesota fans would probably do that trade in a heartbeat, even though Armstead might not really fit the scheme and they already shored up their three technique in Minnesota. That was kind of surprising. He said that uh, even though Mike Zimmer, you know, has that, Tendency to, to not play rookies a lot. He has played other rookies far more. He started Anthony Barr in week one, started Eric Kendricks in week two. Stephon Diggs started by week four, and he was a fifth-round pick. So, um, you know, there there has been whispers about concerns about uh, learning the offense, maybe uh, running routes. So, you know, who knows? Um, not the most explosive guy, big-body player, a power player in Laquan Treadwell. Man, it's... Uh, an interesting quick turn in his career. Not a lot of good press coming from him over there in Minnesota. Might be a player who's available. And, hey, you may be able to get him for a heck of a lot less than Eric Armstead. And maybe you don't want any part of him at all. But, anyways, uh, that was uh, some interesting comments. And uh, people really are high. And, you know, d- th- th- there's the fandom side of things, too. As soon as someone puts on the red and gold, I totally get that. Like, you want them to be good for your team. And there's definitely some upside to Eric Armstead. So, so I'm not trying to shuffle him out of town at all. That's that's not what that idea was about. I was just, just was looking around at the league of players that might be available. And uh, and Treadwell stood out to me. Uh, so let's see. Let's uh, Well, speaking of that defensive line is Solomon Thomas. There was a cool article from Joe Fan at 49ers.com. And caught up with Stanford coach David Shaw, who was talking about our first-round draft pick in Solomon Thomas. And uh, his scouting report was, quote, going purely off film, 
This is an explosive interior pass rusher, which can't be undersold. We all think about rushing the passer off the edge, but if you've got a legitimate big-time interior rusher, quarterbacks have a hard time stepping up in the pocket. He will get the quarterback off his spot and make him uncomfortable. And that's a great point. And that's that's what I see in Salma Thomas. It's also what I see in Eric Armstead. Uh, so you have to wonder who's the cleanup guy going to be. If you have, we have all these interior rushers pushing a quarterback to the edge, uh, there was a good question put out to me on Twitter about Russell Wilson. Who's going to clean up the mess? You got someone like Russell Wilson who can really move. If he gets chased out of the pocket, you know, he does tons of damage on the move. And he's, he's done that to the 49ers. So who's the guy that's going to clean that up? And uh, if it's not Aaron Lynch, I don't know who that edge player is going to be. Pete is a six-round pick. Maybe he becomes a rotational guy and is a pass rusher on third downs that can chase down quarterbacks. Otherwise, you got Bowman, you got Foster. Uh, it's going to be, I don't know, it's going to be fun to see how this all comes together, especially on that defensive line. Um, David Shaw goes on to say about Solomon Thomas. He checked all the boxes, tenacity, technique, explosion, speed, strength, the ability to affect the passer, and to play against the run. So enough about the defensive side of the ball. Let's talk a little bit about the offense. And for some reason, just the defensive side of the ball keeps coming up, aside from having a new you know, offensive head coach in San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan. Uh, so I'll go to Carlos's question, who asked, who do you think will be offensive MVP? You're probably thinking, you know, Ryan Hoyer or... Pierre Garçon or something like that. But to me, in 2017, I think this offense is going to be all about the run game. And if you're asking who the most important guy, like literally the most valuable player on offense, I think it's still going to be Joe Staley. But if you're talking about statistically, I think the first candidate here, there's two candidates to me. I think there's it comes down to two guys. And number one is Carlos Hyde. And there's a lot of arguments actually today on Twitter about, you know, Carlos Hyde, is he going to be the guy? Or is Joe Williams, since he was handpicked by Kyle Shanahan to be the running back. Is he going to overtake Carlos Hyde even by week one? I, I think you should pump the brakes on that and see what you have in the rookie before you start plugging him in there as a starter, especially when someone is talented. Carlos Hyde's a good player. So let's see what they have there. Let's let them battle it out. you know. And, and that's not to say that you just plug Carlos Hyde in because he's already been here and he's the starter no matter what, but let him compete a little bit. Um, but in the event that Carlos Hyde does get hurt, or is overtaken by Joe Williams, then I think Joe Williams might be that guy. I mean, you might have a rookie of the year candidate there if he actually does take over and is a starting running back because Cal Shanahan gets tons of production out of the run game. This team is going to run the heck out of the ball in 2017 to keep games close. It's not going to be a powerhouse offense. I think you're going to see the pass game develop over the first few years of Kyle Shanahan's career here as the head coach of the 49ers. But year one, to be honest, I think it's all going to be about the run game. And it's going to start up front and the offensive line, if they can do their job, uh, I think my top two candidates is going to be Carlos Hyde. And if he ends up getting hurt or, you know, is surpassed Joe Williams, he's my dark horse for offensive MVP. But look, just slow down on Joe Williams. Let's let him prove it first. And then you can kind of plug him in there and get on that Joe Williams bandwagon. We go to D-Bus. He asks, uh, I'll keep it positive this time. He asked another question, and he was trying to throw a dig at the Raiders, which I'm not totally against. But uh, we're going to go with this question. Who is the player you are most excited to see on offense and defense this coming season? I think I'm pretty intrigued by, you know, I mentioned Joe Williams, by all the offensive players, how Trent Taylor mixes in. Um, George Kittle, I mean, he was a shadow 49er, too. And the 49ers, you know, took my guy there in George Kittle. So I'm really excited to see how he blends in. And I think, you know, his ability against the run and as a receiver, he might get on the field a lot. So I'm excited to see how he gets in there. But traditionally, tight ends, you know, take a little bit to develop, you know, because they have to learn both the run game, and the pass game. And it takes a lot of guys in the passing game, whether it's quarterbacks or receivers, a while to get comfortable in NFL offenses when they're coming up from the uh 
from the college ranks, but the fact that Iowa is a pro-style offense, then, you know, C.J. Beathard and George Kittle might have a little bit of a leg up. But uh, the, the one, you know, I want to see Pierre Garçon. I know what he looks like as a player, so it's not going to be as intriguing because I've seen him in Kyle Shanahan's offense before, and you kind of know what you're getting in him. Other wide receivers are going to be more complimentary pieces. So to me, I think the number one guy that I'm most excited to see on offense is probably C.J. Beathard because I want to see what Kyle Shanahan saw in him to make them want to move up in the third round to pick him when most people had him as a, as a, a day three player in the draft. And, and I want to see him enough in 2017 on the field so that you can make an assessment to see, you know, is this guy someone who could be the next Kirk Cousins? Is he a guy that could be the starter of this team going forward? Because that's a big part of what you're going to do in the 2018 offseason. Because otherwise, if he doesn't play, you know, quarterback is still going to be up in the air as you head toward the 2018 draft and free agency there. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm most excited actually to see C.J. Beathard, even though, you know, I wasn't most excited about him when he was drafted. Uh, I want to be proven wrong there and I want to see what he gives. So preseason is always a lot of fun for me. And even, you know, in the fourth quarter of the preseason games, the very end of the roster, I love watching that stuff. I love seeing how those guys compete and, and seeing who might actually uh, make a team. And, you know, maybe it's a couple of years before some of these guys actually make an impact on defense. It's easy. Reuben Foster. I mean, I can't wait. I can't wait to watch Reuben Foster go out there, chase people down, hit people, uh, you know, Bowman as well. See if he comes off the injury, see how he's looking and moving. That's exciting to me. Most of the exciting players on this team right now are on defense. You know, all the top picks in the last three, four, five years have all been spent on the defensive side of the ball. So I want to see the development there. I want to see how these players look in the scheme. I want to see Buckner at the three tech. I can't wait to see that. I want to see, you know, he looks so much bigger this year and he he's such a beast. And the way he plays, I love it. I can't wait to watch Buckner play. Solomon Thomas talked about him a minute ago. I mean, he has a chance to be a beast. He has He's only a redshirt sophomore coming out, so there's a lot of growth to be had for Solomon Thomas. I can't wait to see what kind of player he is and, and see how he fits into the scheme as well. And Eric Armstead, hopefully he takes that next step, and he's had some flashes, had that injury last year to his shoulder. Hopefully he's 100%, and we can actually see what Eric Armstead's all about, see how he develops. And, man, if he's out there at the Leo, I, I wonder how that's going to work out. The defensive backfield is going to be interesting. I mean, you know, the cornerback spot, I think, is pretty much set. You know, it's going to be Richard Robinson, most likely a veteran in Dante Johnson to get the first reps out there at the outside corners. And then Akella Witherspoon working in with those outside corners. Um, you know, Eric Reed, strong safety, but the key to the defense and someone I like, one of my favorite bulky picks, Jimmy Ward uh, at free safety. I think it's a great fit for him. How important that position is with the scheme. Uh, I really want to see Jimmy Ward out there uh, ranging in center field, but it's very easy. The answer to this question for me to see on defense in 2017 is Ruben Foster. Man, and I hope the 49ers nailed that pick. I mean, I hope he's healthy. I hope his head's screwed on straight because he can be a monster for the 49ers. And man, I, I watching those defenses of old with Patrick Willis, man, I, I miss those days. And if they can come anywhere close to what they were 2011, you know, 2012, 2013 seasons on defense, Oh, man, that would be fun to watch and extremely exciting. All right, let's go to Hugo. Back to the defensive side of the ball. Why are you guys always asking about the defense? Uh, he says you never mentioned Will Redmond. And again, I just went through the whole defense and didn't mention Will Redmond. Uh, Hugo says you never mentioned Will Redmond on your cornerback pecking order. Any word on him? Uh, not a lot of word. The only word we've really heard about Will Redmond on the field since he was drafted was just before the draft, there was that mini camp. Will Redmond was was working as a backup corner on the outside. 
which is surprising because I thought he would be pegged as one of those nickel corners and working in with Kwan Williams, especially with Jimmy Ward moving out to free safety. There's only a couple guys, I think, on this defense that really fit as your typical nickel slot corners. I think Kwan Williams, they brought him in for a reason. They know him. I think as a veteran player, he'll probably get the first reps at that nickel spot, and he was at the minicamp. Will Redmond, surprisingly, you know, he's not the biggest guy. He's not, he doesn't fit with the, the length profile you want in the outside corners in this scheme. Uh, but he was working outside. I would expect him to work eventually in with the slot. And he showed he could do that in college. And, and that'll be his his strength because he's he's not the biggest guy, but he's not afraid to hit people and work in against the run, which is something you do like to have out of the slot guy because you're just a little closer to the line of scrimmage. And he's got the quicks. And, you know, if he's healthy, I think he could give Kiwan Williams a run for his money. And really, he, I think he could win that job as a slot cornerback for the 49ers. So, uh, Will Redmond, can't wait to see him on the field for the first time really ever. The only thing I've heard is just the reports that, you know, he was working in as a backup corner on the outside. And he could play some outside corner as well. He did that in college. But I think he really fits, you know, from a physical profile, he fits as your typical slot cornerback. And so uh, I expect him to work in there and, and potentially fight for a starting job as that nickel corner, which should be considered a starter these days with him being on the field, you know, 60-plus percent of the time. All right, let's get to one more. This is actually from last week. Uh, Jason asked, do you own any Niners jerseys? And if so, what name and number is on them? And no, I actually don't own a single 49ers jersey. And I've, first of all, I'm just not a big jersey guy. And in fact, just if you saw me walking down the street, you probably wouldn't know I was a big time sports fan. I've always had a Giants hat on my head or, or very nearby my body, San Francisco Giants baseball hat. Aside from that, I don't wear a lot of sports gear. I'm not the guy that's, you know, dressed up head to toe in gear from my favorite teams. Just for whatever reason, it's not my style. But um, no, I don't own a single 49ers jersey. The last 49ers jersey I had was a Halloween costume from when I was a kid, and it was a Joe Montana jersey. I think I might have done that for a couple of Halloweens, actually. It was Joe Montana for for Halloween. But uh, yeah, I had an old number 16 Joe Montana jersey as a kid. And since then, I've had a few jerseys. Um, I have a... Visalia Oaks, which is the minor league team, was the minor league team in Visalia, California. Now they're called the Visalia Rawhide, but it's a 1980s blue and red Visalia Oaks jersey, number six. And I don't know who the player was. It was, you know, not a famous player, I'm sure. I don't think it's anybody who made the big leagues. But number 26, Visalia Oaks jersey from a time really from before I can remember, a time when Kirby Puckett used to patrol the field in Visalia as a Visalia Oak before he got called up to the Minnesota Twins and when the Visalia Oaks were a Minnesota Twins farm club in single A for a long time. Now they're the Diamondbacks single A team and called the Visalia Rawhide. But I do have a Visalia Oaks jersey from the 80s that I found used not too long ago. I'm pretty pumped on that. Don't really wear it much, but it's in my closet. Uh, the only jersey I really wear often, and this when I go to Giants games, is I have a number 10 San Francisco Giants jersey. And the number 10 isn't for a player. It's the year 2010 that I got married. And it's actually one of the coolest wedding presents I got that year. And unfortunately, my wife, her only flaw is that she's a Dodgers fan. So, that, you know, that was one of the big things uh, when we were getting together. And you know, as we were dating and people were like, what, the Giants fan, Dodgers fans? And you still get that crap when you go to the game. People are like, what, you can't be a Giants, you can't date a Dodgers fan. Um, and people are always like, no, oh, this wedding's not going to last. You know, it kind of helps, especially right now. The Giants have scoreboard, you know. So if she ever tries to to say anything about Giants Dodgers, I'm like, yeah, dude, we got three rings in five years, so yeah, you got to win one, and then you can talk to me. Uh, so, but yeah, so one of the wedding gifts we got was uh, his and her jerseys, basically a, a Giants jersey number ten for me, a Dodgers jersey number ten for the year 2010 that we were married. 
and got that from a friend who actually worked over at uh, Majestic, who was doing the the jerseys at that time. Not sure if that's who's doing jerseys these days, but yeah, really cool present. So we rock that when we go to Giants and Dodgers games. I wear it occasionally when I go to Giants games without her too, but I I don't rock jerseys too much and I do not own a 49ers jersey. I got a 49ers beanie. Got a couple 49ers shirts and uh and some other stuff, but yeah, no 49ers jerseys or players' jerseys right now. All right, let's wrap it up. Thanks everybody for all the questions. Thanks everybody for listening. As always, follow me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Love to talk to you guys over there. Lots of great conversations. Never know uh, which direction that stuff is gonna go. Email the show, lockedon49ers at gmail.com. If you would like to be a sponsor to the show, hit me up there, locked on 49ers at Gmail. iTunes, rate, subscribe, review the show. If we're not on the subscription service you use, if you don't use iTunes, most people do. It's the majority of my listeners do use iTunes. Hit that five-star button if you do. Um, but if we're not on the service you like to use to find podcasts, please let me know about that either on Twitter or via email. And uh, try to get Locked On 49ers there for you uh, to download on a daily basis. And, of course, if you know somebody that might like the show, hey, let them know about it. Let's, let's keep this thing growing here as we get toward the 2017 season. Everybody's going to want to tune in on Friday. We'll be talking to Jeff Dini. He's the 49ers media correspondent for Pro Football Focus. So we're going to get deep into the draft class and some other angles regarding the 49ers in 2017. Maybe how some people fit in and and how the uh, advanced statistics say they should fit in with the 2017 49ers in these new schemes on offense and defense. All right, we'll talk to you all tomorrow on Locked On 49ers. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17